amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. This is a Rough Tiger production. And you, and you, and you, and you were there. Some of it wasn't very nice, but most of it was beautiful. We're going to sing a song for you. We're starting off with your, with your Fat Albert impression, or no? No, no, we are not. Although okay, I do remember watching the uh, Fat Albert Halloween special when I was a kid. Oh, good you stuff, know, man. To, to look that up. It rings a bell. I, I'm not, I'm not with, recalling that off, off the top of my head, though. With a character called Mudfoot. And that was good stuff. <laughs> uh, hello, this is Dream Idiots. My name is Morris. That's Brian. Hey. And hey, hey. Uh, welcome to the podcast where every week Brian and I uh, tell each other stories. Some of them from the news, some of them from uh, the past, some of them from the ancient past, some of them from the recent past, some of them from the parts of our brain where you uh, bump your head on the <laughs> ceiling when you come in. Uh, Brian, what's up? How are you? Uh, doing great. Great, great, great. Um, thanks for listening, folks, and doing all those great things for us. Uh, if you can, please um, subscribe, follow on whatever app you're listening to us on. That would, would be fabulous. And share and shoot us five stars. You can give us a review, too. That would be super helpful. Help us climb, helps us climb the charts. Uh, drop us a line at dreamidiotspodcast at gmail and check us out. Uh, at dreamidiots.com and then instagram and facebook we are at dream idiots yay um i'm gonna go first this week and i've got an update as well Great. so shall i shall i get started with the update go okay the update is is pretty simple uh the folks in the georgia case brian with trump are flipping like cirque du soleil <laughs> acrobats first we have Sidney oh. powell mm-hmm. who is bro. St- is still looking like she's irritated about losing out on the role of the gopher in Caddyshack. Um, <laughs> and then we've got the little fella who he's the one who looks like Booberry. Um <laughs> Chesboro, Cheesebro flipping. Um, wow. It's, it's going to be fun to watch over the next um, couple months. I wonder how many more of the, uh, of the nine are going to flip. Who's next? Frankenberry. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, the, the dominoes will start to will start to fall because one at least one of the fake electors uh, whose name escapes me right now has 
accept a plea a plea deal as well. So so you have you have that person as well. I mean, yeah, I mean the dominoes are, are gonna fall. So, so um, a third of them a third of them have accepted a plea deal or flipped entirely. So uh was that really three, true? Of okay. nine, three of the nine, right? Because yeah. the one that you're thinking of, and then Chesbro and then the Kraken. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, uh, for my story today, a couple of things got me started on this. One is that uh, you and I have been to a lot of live sporting events together. Have we not? Yeah. We've been uh, to Final live. Four, yeah. yeah, Final Four and been... oh, that's right. Cowboys games and uh, a rocket uh, Spurs games, Rockets games. Um, we've been to uh, exhibition exhibition tennis when Stephanie oh, Graff played, came yeah, down, Steph- and uh, played yeah. at Trinity. We've been to at least one or two minor league hockey games together with the old Austin Ice Bats mm-hmm. at that <laughs> literal bar in the Austin Ice Bats played in <laughs> the Expo Center. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and it's that time of year, October, where all of the sports are, are converging. Uh, baseball is, of course, in the in the league championship series. Football's in the middle of the season. Hockey and, and basketball are, are getting geared up, and soccer's doing something. I'm not sure what, but it's doing something. So I thought what I would do for this story is using uh, three books that are near and dear to my heart, one which fits perfectly on the back of a toilet called The Basketball Hall of Shame, Mm-hmm. And a couple of books that were turned on to me by an old dear friend of ours, David. Books by a guy named Terry Pluto. David in college said, have you read the Terry Pluto book? Loose Balls, A History of the ABA. And then a few years later, Terry Pluto came out with another book called Tall Tales, A History of the NBA. Uh-huh. So these these little anecdotes I'm going to share with you today are taken from these three books. And a couple of them are taken from my own memory Um, So I'm going to share some of these with you in a a little bunch of stories I'm calling hardwood hijinks. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I came up with it myself. Yeah. Yeah. Good time. Let's, let's start off with a couple of quick tales from the Boston Celtics. Uh, Are you Kevin McHale fan at all? You like Kevin McHale? Indifferent Uh, to him? Indifferent to him. Okay, well, this may get you on his side. Former college roommates Kevin McHale and Chris Engler faced off in 1984 as professional basketball players. McHale's Boston Celtics were thoroughly thumping Engler's New Jersey Nets when late in the contest, Kevin whispered to his friend that he would let him in for an easy jumper. Engler dribbled in, took his shot, only to have McHale viciously block the ball back against Engler's forehead. (laughs) I thought you were going to give me the shot, said a surprised Engler. (laughs) McHale's response? Yeah, I lied. <laughs> Do you remember Chuck Person? Yeah. The, the rifleman. Uh, the rifleman, yeah. Yeah, played for the Pacers and then the the Spurs for the, the, the for Spurs a while the in his end, career. Right? Yeah, uh, hell of a three-point shot, right? Hence, mm-hmm. hence the name. Well, I don't know where this story's from. I think I read it in an interview with Chuck Person once about uh, the, the best trash talker in the in the NBA. He was talking about Larry Bird. Mm-hmm. And one day it was Christmas day in a game between his Pacers and the Celtics. Uh, Chuck person had a horribly high fever. He was feeling like absolute shit. He had the flu. I think Larry bird greeted him before the game. And he said, man, I heard you're not feeling well, Chuck. I'm sorry about that. Listen, I've got a Christmas gift for you. I'll, I'll give it to you later. The Celtics won the tip off. The ball came to bird who immediately fired off a successful three pointer while yelling, Merry Christmas, Chuck. <laughs> And person fell over to the ground laughing. He could not help himself. Um, it's easy to be funny when you're a you know three-time world champion, I guess. Right. 
Now, I watched a lot of pro ball in the 70s and 80s when I could as a kid, uh, live preferably, or, you know, on TV when it was on TV. Sometimes it was hard to find on TV unless it was the playoffs. Yeah, back in those days, yeah. Yeah. But <clears throat> you probably remember, like a lot of people our age, probably remember the great Daryl Dawkins. Mm-hmm. Sure. Remember Daryl Dawkins? He was known as Dr. Dunk. He was known as Sir Slam. He was also known by the name uh, that was allegedly bequeathed to him by the great Stevie Wonder. And that is Chocolate Thunder. Do you remember that nickname? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I had a poster of him <laughs> posing with the lightning bolts of Chocolate uh, Thunder. I mean, he, even, even better that Stevie Wonder is the source of that. I, I did I did not know that part. I, yeah, apparently he was he was at a game and enjoying it and uh, came up with a Stevie that. Wonder was enjoying a game of basketball. That's okay. I I, I beats me. Um, right. but you know we associate him with a lot of things, but he had a great shooting percentage. There are many seasons where he was second or third in the league with a shooting percentage because he was a dunker. I mean, he right. he would get the ball, he played center, he would get in the ball and just slam it home. He'd get it into the basket and just go nuts. He played on a great Philadelphia 76ers team in the late 70s and early 80s. But Brian, I'd forgotten this. He didn't win his championship with the 76ers. He was gone by the time they won their championship at 83. He only won his championship, his one and only championship. He won the Lakers? with it. No, the 1989 Detroit Pistons. Oh, wow. Like at the very last season of his career, he finally won a championship with the Pistons. <clears throat> but he's probably best remembered, Brian, for his destruction of seemingly innocent backboards <laughs> and his skill for naming the dunks, which dispatched said backboards. On November 13th of 1979, he wrecked his first one while visiting the Kansas City Kings, the old Kansas City Kings, who for uh, one or two seasons were known as the Kansas City Omaha Kings. I have an old pennant somewhere that calls them the Kansas City Omaha Kings. They were playing, uh, they were visiting the Kings in Memorial Stadium. He was defended by Kansas City center Bill Robazine. Dawkins' two-handed jam caused the board to explode, raining glass down on the court and the players all of whom were unhurt except Robazine, who was cut on his hand. That dunk was named the Chocolate Thunder Flying Robazine Crying Teeth Shaking Glass Breaking Rump Roasting Bun Toasting Wham Bam I Am Jam. <laughs> bun Toasting. <laughs> <laughs> Dawkins then went on a tear of spectacular dunks over the next stretch of games, but none were backboard shattering. These feats of dunkism carried such colorful sobriquets as the in-your-face disgrace, the left-handed spine chiller supreme, which I think is also a good uh, Taco Bell lunch menu combo <laughs> name for uh, the month right. of Halloween. It's great. No, no tomatoes? That's yeah, good. Yeah. And then this one sounds like straight out of the George Clinton uh, songbook. The sexophonic turbo delight dunk. <laughs> uh-huh. The cover your damn head dunk. Simple, but absolutely appropriate. The lookout below dunk. And one of my favorites, the Greyhound bus dunk. (laughs) The last one saved for those occasional baseline to baseline, coast to coast dunks, where he just went from one end of the court to the other. That's the Greyhound? That's the Greyhound bus dunk. 22 days after the Kansas City shattering, The Sixers were hosting the San Antonio Spurs when Dawkins killed off yet another backboard. I didn't mean to, Dawkins was quoted as saying. 
It was the power, the chocolate thunder. I could feel it surging through my body, fighting to get out. I had no control. He named that one the no play and get out of the way and backboard sway and game delay and dunk. <laughs> uh, now, back then, the commissioner, the commissioner of the league was Larry O'Brien. He was mm-hmm. named after the championship trophy. Right. Mm-hmm. Commissioner Larry O'Brien. <laughs> Uh, he had he'd have enough he'd had enough of this by now. He ordered that all the backboards henceforth be equipped with collapsible rims. Right. He said enough. Now Dawkins wanted to get the last word in because he was he was Daryl Dawkins. He said, "I did more for job safety in the NBA than all of the occupational safety and health administration regulations." <laughs> He's not wrong. Uh, he's not wrong. <laughs> but uh, something to think about. Just as the American Basketball Association, which uh, had merged with the league some four years prior to this uh, this killing spree he went on with um, <laughs> with backboards, just as the ABA had given us the wonder of the three-point shot, it actually gave us the first shattered backboard nine years before Daryl Dawkins did it in Kansas City. A guy by the name of, and the ABA had some great names, Charles Helicopter Hentz. He played for the Pittsburgh Condors. On November 6th of 1970, Hentz took out a glass backboard in the second quarter while playing the Carolina Cougars at Dorton Arena in Raleigh. Now, this being the ABA, supplies were always difficult to come by. So the game went on with an antique wooden backboard (laughs) that was found in a storage shed. (laughs) <laughs> That's from one book. Terry Pluto in his book says that it was actually rescued from a high school, a local high school and used. It took over an hour to clean up, uh, clean up the glass and replace the broken board. Now, here's something else that Hens did. Late in the second half, he found himself in a breakaway steal at midcourt with no one between him and the basket. The other basket that was still glass, right? Had a glass <laughs> backboard. Quote, the crowd was chanting, tear it down, tear it down, <laughs> said Hence. I really didn't mean to, but when I hit the dunk, damned if the board didn't explode in my face just like the first one. Boom! With a minute left and trailing by 15 points and completely out of backboards, Pittsburgh coach Jack McMahon conceded the game. Carolina won that one. Um... Once again, it's, it's, the, great, great strategy. I mean, <laughs> end the game. <laughs> well, they they had no choice at that point. But right. uh, you know, once again, the ABA is ahead of the curve when it comes right. to uh, basketball. <clears throat> Brian, did you know that the the Detroit Pistons once played in Fort Wayne? I did not know that. Okay, so I want you to picture our good friend, um, uh, Major Frank Burns, sitting in the crowd. <laughs> uh-huh for this game and maybe he traveled over because this sounds like the kind of game that Frank Burns would enjoy. Frank Burns maybe hopped on a bus and went to Minneapolis for this game. This is a game between the Fort Wayne Pistons and the two-time defending champion Minneapolis Lakers on November 22nd, 1950. So picture Frank Burns in the crowd for this one. In an effort to snap the Lakers 29 game winning streak, Fort Wayne head coach Murray Mendenhall deployed a new tactic. Hold on to that ball around half court and force the Lakers to play man-to-man as opposed to their usual zone defense. Instead, everyone got bored to death. 
It was an awful game to play and even more awful to watch. Quote, a sports tragedy, in the words of Minneapolis <laughs> sports writer Charles Johnson. The opening tip was won by Fort Wayne, which stalled from the opening play. Occasionally, there would be a pass, or the other team would break up that pass, or maybe foul. It became the lowest scoring game in NBA history, <laughs> with Fort Wayne eking out a one-point victory, 19-18. to 18. <laughs> <laughs> a whole bunch of records were set least points scored by a team 18 the lakers previous low was 38 least points combined 37 the previous 83 <laughs> least numbers of field goals made in the game both teams scored just four the previous was 13 least attempted shots in a game 13, the Pistons, no previous record was kept. Least attempted shots per quarter, zero, the Pistons, <laughs> no previous record was mm -hmm. kept. Least points per quarter, one, the Lakers, no previous record was kept. George Mikan, the big man, the big center, the, the, yeah. the biggest guy to play basketball at the time. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. He scored 15 of the 18 Lakers points. Uh, games of this era weren't always quite this bad, but fourth quarters became stall and foul fests with the team holding the lead, merely holding the ball and waiting to be fouled. Now that still goes on today, but imagine that without the 24 second shot clock. Oh, right. Yeah. Which, which Be four careful. years, which four years after this game, finally became a thing in the nba so it take, took him four years after this debacle to say oh that early should, 54 55 maybe we should have a shot clock that yeah. prevents this and eventually zone defenses were outlawed for a long long time as a kid i remember watching zone defenses technicals getting called right you know all the time ah that that still cracks me up 19 to 18 <laughs> lowest scoring game in nba history and finally i'm going to close out with um <laughs> the 1994 season opener at the Alamo Dome where the Spurs lost to the visiting Golden State Warriors. Now it's bad enough when you lose your season uh, opener to one of your rivals. And it would have been bad enough because I was at that game with my buddy, Rick Sambacini, but the pyrotechnics set off the sprinklers. The sprinklers. System. That's right. <laughs> and drenched a good chunk of the stands. Our seats received a fine mist 
Not unlike <laughs> sitting on a dock overlooking the ocean. The game was delayed almost an hour as they cleaned up the water and the seats. But that was only the second craziest thing to happen basketball-wise in the Alamo Dome that year. It was surpassed only by a feat accomplished by the great Moses Malone in his last game as a professional basketball player, where he was acting as backup center to the Spurs' David Robinson. Malone hit a buzzer-beating three-pointer from the opposite free-throw line going into halftime. Uh, Spurs rings a bell, yeah. The Spurs beat the Hornets that game. And that season, they went from the ridiculous to the sublime. And I was there for both of them because I remember walking off to the stands to grab a hot dog or popcorn or Coke, looked over my shoulder just in time to see Moses heave it all the way down the court and into the basket. And, and wasn't that like only, was it, I think it was his only career three pointer. It may have been. I, yeah. I looked up the stats for it, oh, yeah. and he, he was a hundred percent three pointers. <laughs> right. He was so the he, best yeah, three pointers. Right. So if it wasn't the only one, maybe in his career he made three or something. But it's something. But you know. for that game, he was hundred percent from the three point line. <laughs> right, right. Sources for this piece and this look into basketball history. I think I'm going to do this again because uh, there's some great college stories in there that I want to share. Maybe around uh, March Madness time, I'll come back and yeah, yeah. Uh, hardwood hijinks part two. Sources for this were Bruce Nash and Alan Zulo's 1991 book, The Basketball Hall of Shame from Pocket Books of New York, and two of Terry Pluto's books, 1990's Loose Balls and 1994's Tall Tales, both from Fireside Books of New York. And if you are at all a basketball fan and have not read those two Terry Pluto books, highly, highly recommend them because they're told <laughs> from the point of view of the guys who lived it. Uh, mm-hmm. If you want to read about the things that Daryl Dawkins got up to, like the time that he was on the plane and and he knew that Buck Williams always fell asleep with his mouth open. And so they played a game <laughs> called how many things can we stuff in Buck's mouth before he wakes up? <laughs> I mean, you just can't, you can't, you can't beat that kind of humor in my opinion. So there you right, go. Right. Hardwood yeah, hijinks as we enter basketball season this, uh, this October. Yeah, the, the, um, the two stories that, that, come to mind um I mean, larry bird i know was just notorious for being uh a trash talker mm-hmm. and uh but it, but in a, but, it, but in a funny way not just you know cussing and fuming guys which is boring uh there's one game um i forget you know, they're playing someone who was you know a team that was kind of a basement dweller and um you know he's, he's lining up for the, you know for the, for the opening tip and whoever whoever's whoever's defending him you know, bird just whispers you know what i'm gonna play left-handed tonight uh, and, it, <laughs> and then you you can you can see he, he doesn't take any shots from any from any you know like serious distance left-handed but you can see footage of this game and there are these little little left-handed layups left-handed you know, little skyhook floaters little you know left, <laughs> and he you know he makes like he, he goes for 38 points all with his left hand uh and then there's one i remember seeing a, a, a clip with um john sally from the pistons um again you know i i, I think opening tip uh, again, they're walking out, and Sally is on him, and Bird's like looking around a little bit, and like, um, and and, and so, says to Sally, "So you you're uh, you're covering me? You're not you're not double teaming?" 
like yeah, sorry, sorry man and sally says to him sorry man it's just me like okay i'm, I'm telling you what's gonna happen we're, we're gonna get the tip i'm gonna i'm gonna pivot go, go, you know go down the corner and hit it in you know and take a three-point <laughs> shot, shot from the corner and it's gonna it's gonna be money and that's, that's exactly what happened I mean, bird would would apparently routinely tell defenders exactly what he was gonna do and then do it <laughs> over and over and over again just to screw with them it's funny that's, stuff that's ridiculous stuff yep and then the the one where uh you know i i hated the lakers growing up still don't like him but right you know they, they knocked the spurs out of the western conference finals yeah, twice when year, i was a kid right. in the 80s uh, and um there's this one great shot of magic johnson going down and he just hurls up this no chance it's going in shot from like near midcourt at the end of the you know at the end of regulation and it bounces off the rim and falls out and he goes magic you you look like you expected that to go in and he said man i expect them all to go in (laughs) (laughs) i just i just kind of love that you know that (laughs) yeah that attitude that some of those guys had because you knew every year it was going to come down to the right the celtics and the lakers every year and and eventually you took a side so right anyway (laughs) and i chose the detroit pistons (laughs) All right, my turn. Yes, sir. It's time for the Dream Idiot's Curse Word of the Week. Ever heard the term Vato, V-A-T-O? Yeah. No. Yeah. So um, for years and years, I, I was convinced that for a long, long period of time that Vato was actually kind of a, you know, kind of a jokey insult. It, it can be V-A-T-O. Sometimes it can be B-A-T-O. I have a buddy in Austin who, you know, whenever I saw him or he, he sent me an email, he would start it up with either um, what's up, foo, or um, hey, Vato, which I was convinced was the same as pendejo, asshole, or or idiot. Um, but uh turns out Vato is kind of a Northwestern Mexico, Southwestern US, you know, South Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, Baja, California. Um, but Vato is just um, kind of just this, you know, the Spanish for dude it's you know it's yeah apparently it's offensive to call call a woman a vato but uh it's not at all intended to be uh an insult but still it's a, a great word which i i use i realize i use quite a bit but um i didn't know that, that it wasn't actually an insult until just recently so this is a non-curse word so, yeah so it's, 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 a, it's a word that i thought was a curse word and it turns out it's not i always thought it meant like uh you know, dude, bro, homie, something like that. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I just that, yeah, that's not right. Yeah, what's up, Vato? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So anyway, Vato, good word. Yeah, and that's that's one of the joys yeah. of growing up uh, where we did, right? Where you have this just kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, Spanglish, where all right. these words kind of creep into your vocabulary, and mm-hmm. uh, and you yeah. try to explain to someone outside of like outside of the of the of the of the culture what a word means and you really can't because it's like <laughs> well it's it's like someone was trying to say and i'm gonna use a word here pinche it's like what does pinche mean because it's it's pinche it's it it means pinche you can't really <laughs> right <laughs> it doesn't translate <laughs> no like at, at this one restaurant in town it says hey watch your wash your pinche hands in the restroom and I, one of the one of my one of my kids said, "What does that mean?" I said, "Well, it's just it's it does it mean dirty?" I said, "No, not really. It means like <laughs> st- it's pinche. You just can't you can't translate it <laughs> right. into another." 
It's like Schadenfreude. You just get yeah. not quite <laughs> doesn't quite compute. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah um, I, I, was, I was actually told recently because I, I was, uh, you know, again, you know, being from Texas and, and not speaking Spanish, but knowing a lot of words, uh, I, I am at least reasonably adept at rolling my R's, and I, I, I rolled an R without really intending. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't being silly. I mean, I was, I was pronouncing something correctly, and someone's like, "God damn, you're." you're you're good with that whole that whole rolled R thing. Like, well, yeah. born and raised in Texas, that's comes with the territory. Didn't mean to. Sorry. <laughs> right. So anyway, vato. A good word. So anyway, um, because we've done for my stuff recently, it's been sort of heavy on the history. Wanted to shift gears a bit and not do not do history this time around and got um, a little bit interested in this topic because I had witnessed some of this behavior recently and kind of wanted to, wanted to dive into it a little bit more. Pornography. Uh, you, yeah. <laughs> uh, just no? go to, okay. no, no, no. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I had a little, I had a small accident a couple of years ago. I had some fairly major surgery. I have a, I have a hunk of titanium in my right leg. Uh, and side effects of having uh, this surgery is that my body kind of tightens up when I when I sit for a long period of time, and so I'm often tight. I often sort of walk with a bit of a limp because uh, some you know, my muscle muscle my muscle, muscles tighten up quite a bit, uh, and it takes me a long time to sort of loosen up and walk, if not normally, at least close to normally. Uh, but I've noticed that in the past, you know, a couple times in the past couple of years that uh i'm with someone who i don't necessarily know that well but and, and as far as i know they're completely able-bodied but after a short period of time of being with them suddenly they're kind of walking with a limp too uh and like are, are you are you screwing with me like what you know is this like am i you know am i being you know made fun of but it turns out this is a sort of an empathetic response this is a subconscious unconscious thing uh called Echopraxia is when you take on when, when you're mirroring back to someone behavior that they're engaged in. Um, I also um, realized um, again the past couple of years that when I'm speaking to someone who has a little bit more, who speaks a little slower and has a bit of a Texas Southern accent, that I'll inject a y'all, which historically I would never say y'all, but uh, that sort of it's, it's a similar similar thing. It's called echolalia when you're when you're echoing, you know, when you're mirroring back to someone, their speech patterns, and it's not making fun of them. It's, it's a uh, way to sort of build a connection and, and have, you know, not quite empathy, but it shows, uh, it shows interest. It shows, you know, a, a desire to have a, have a connection. So I want to chat through um, a, a number of other things that are, some of these may be kind of obvious, but I think they're, interesting from a i don't know behavioral sociological sort of standpoint the types of body of body language that we all uh engage in and even some animals engage in the, this exact same behavior uh and sort of what they mean and you can you can feel free to, to chime in because i'm sure you'll have you'll have thoughts and examples of these as well um first one kind of an obvious one the eyebrow flash the whole you know, raised eyebrows either quickly or for a longer period of time you know, an eyebrow flash in sort of sexual dam in relationship dynamics that's showing interest, but it's also showing interest uh, professionally. You're having a conversation and someone is saying something that 
that you know piques your interest it's very common to um to raise your eyebrows because it shows recognition it's kind of it's kind of a well listen to this look at me sort of message and this this is this is absolutely behavior that has been exhibited in um in monkeys to show that sort of um you know a certain level of engagement say um Another super important one that I remember, I'm sure your father did this as well, that was just beaten into me as, shoot, elementary school, middle school, the whole good handshake thing. Uh, this still drives me completely crazy that so many, so many people our age are just terrible at this. When you shake someone's hand, A, you look them in the eye. I mean, typically, I think smiling is is better, better than not smiling. Uh but you offer a firm and sort of equal grasp, but, you know, tending toward the firm side of things. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's sort of a leaning in, fostering connection, but there's a sort of, sort of a showing respect and showing strength. But, I mean, but, but again, it's, it's a mirroring type of a behavior as well. Uh, and mm -hmm. my biggest pet peeve in the world is, I was meeting with, with some folks recently, a married couple, and the woman was, was maybe five feet tall and she had the death grip and then the husband who was my size gave me the dead fish i'm like I'm like how can you be like you know <laughs> over the age of over the age of 18 and you're still doing this this is just you know not acceptable someone should have you know taught you better than this there's a story about the time that hoagie carmichael the great american songwriter and singer and pianist met charles Lindbergh. mm-hmm and Charles Lindbergh met him and just kind of did the dead fish. And Mr. Carmichael, Mr. Uh, you know, Mr. L Colonel Lindbergh, Colonel Lindbergh, Mr. Carmichael. And he said, you know, Hoagie, pleased to meet you. And Lindbergh was like, uh-huh. And just gave him kind of a thing, <laughs> kind of a lip handshake. And Carmichael apparently shook his hand real hard and said, well, uh -huh, to you too. And he turned around <laughs> and walked off. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, if you, I mean, I guess it I guess it depends on what it is that you want from the exchange. But if you're if you're looking to foster connection or it's a client relationship and you want it to be a good connection, this is this is what you're supposed to do. If you're trying to foster uh indifference or condescension or whatever, you know, be insulting, then by all means do that. Uh it's a great way to quickly convey that you, you know, don't give a damn. Um, next one is sort of what I was talking about with the, with the echopraxia. It's just sort of um, authentic mirroring, you know, sort of recognizing behavior in, in, in one person and sort of being adopting that person's behavior with, with sort of broad strokes in terms of overall demeanor and, and, you know, kind of how you present yourself in general. It's it, some of that stuff can be um, sort of subtle along the same lines. There, there also is uh, mutual gazing. So, um, you know, looking, looking, being willing to look someone in the eyes, you know, you don't do, you don't do the Jeffrey Dahmer death stare where you, you know, stare them dead in the face and never blink. And you're, and you're looking at hundred percent <laughs> of the time, cause that's off putting and scary, but it's sort of this 50% or more of the time you have, you look someone in, look someone in the eyes and they will probably do the same. Uh, nothing drives me crazier than, I mean, the, 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 the dead fish handshake drives me nuts. But then talking to someone, there are people who, again, just find it impossible uh, because it's it's risky or it's exposing or something that they will look anywhere but but at your eyes. Uh, it's like, no, you got, you know, if you want to have a connection, 
and have a successful outcome, you have to be willing to, I mean, these are things that if you if you really are genuinely bad at some of these things. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Things. I mean, in my mind, you could actually practice this. Uh, especially for, you know, if you're a, you know, tragically, you know, single person and you have to be willing to like (laughs) work on some of these things because otherwise you will get nowhere. Um, also, uh, lack of barriers is, is a big one. So you're having, you know, a one-on-one conversation with a boss, a colleague, a client, whatever it is having a bunch of debris that is in front of you that will only serve to create a distraction. Uh, People who impulsively, especially in a social setting, look at their damn phone. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly guilty of that, but you know, invariably when I'm, when I go and meet someone or I have company over or whatever's going on, I intentionally, okay. I mean, you're, you're now here. I grab my phone. I put it aside. I turn it off. I do something with it because I think it's, you know, just ridiculous to, to expect someone to want to engage in, engage with you while you're endlessly looking down at your lap or looking at something else. So, you know, put shit to the, you know, to the side. Um, an actual genuine real smile is called a Duquesne smile. D U C H E N N E. Um, I mean, social psychologists do, do a, a bunch of research, research on this, a, a, a genuine, what's that? What's that? I never heard of a Duquesne smile. Uh, doing, I mean, doing a genuine smile is, is actually very difficult to fake a smile is it's a real smile, but you also then have the kind of crow's feet next to your eyes. Mm. Uh, I mean, and again, the smile is seen in, uh, in some other, you know, a little bit in primates, but it's also seen in, um, very, very new babies when, when they, when they they recognize (laughs) a parent that, that real genuine smile, but also with babies that they're not maybe as infants, but the second they're asked to smile for a camera, they also get really, really good at doing the fake <laughs> smile. The, the, you know, the George W. Bush, you know, you caught me doing something stupid smile, uh, <laughs> which is the, oh, God, oh shit. You know, you know, worse, <laughs> the forced look. Right. Um, and so, you know, that's the, I guess you can't, you know, that, that, that's a harder thing to probably practice, but it's also something to just be aware of that when you're looking at, at someone's actions, are they genuinely, you know, a genuine smile is obvious. Uh, and so that is a, that's a good sign. I had someone tell me at a, a I've only been, I think it was a 10th year high school reunion. Someone said, yeah, I wasn't sure it was you until I saw you smile. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. And I thought, Oh, that's interesting. You know, that's, that's right. When your genuine self comes out, I guess. Right. Yeah. It's, it's you know, your, your, your signature, your thumbprint, whatever. Yeah. 
pretty. And then pretty she said, unique. "Yep, you're still an asshole." And she walked off. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. That was later in the evening. Um, next one is, uh, you know, people always claim that the, that the trait they like in others, especially in partners, is having a sense of humor, being able to crack a joke. I, I forget whose whose comment this is. It may be Jimmy Carr, whose whose stuff I think is is a British comedian. Who's who I know who whose stuff I know you know, but listeners may not know. Uh, but the, there's, there's someone who who I remember saying that you know giving someone a genuine laugh is like giving them a a jolt of sleep plus um, sex plus exercise plus meditation all at once because it's just so so good for your body to genuinely laugh. And so if you have a sense of humor and you know and you're adept at using it and you know, fostering that connection, it, you know, giving, giving people a burst of serotonin or dopamine or whatever, you know, goes a long way to, um, to, you know, fostering, you know, good connection. There's a whole bunch of stuff with body language and what you're supposed to do with your hands. And this is one of the ones that I've kind of, I've realized I've maybe not done the best with over times, but having, um, having your hands be open in front of you, you know, if you're doing a, if you're talking to a group, or even, to, even if it's a, in a social setting, having your hands in front of you sort of palm up, um, shows openness. Um, if you do, if you're doing sort of palm down or if you're doing anything that's sort of pointing at people, uh, it's comes off as either being closed or being aggressive there. Um, if you're in politics, there, I mean, there have been books written on this. The fact that both Bill Clinton and, and Hillary Clinton adopted, because someone told them to, the whole sl- kind of slight, I'm not sure what it's called. It's kind of a slight thumbs up. You know, the, the fist is together, with, with, you know, with the knuckles toward the audience, with the thumb a little bit upwards. And it's, you know, it allows you to be um, confident and sincere without being threatening. That's that's another sort of weird, uh, weird trick you can use that's, you know, tied to body language. Uh, again, more of the same leaning in versus leaning out, just how you situate your body. You know, if you're in a conversation and someone starts to start speaking, if you, if they're leaning in toward you, they want to hear what you, what you have to say. If they, you know, lean back, if they turn away, turn to the turn, you know, even five degrees away from facing you, then things aren't landing, you know, the way, <clears throat> the way they should be. Um, some of this, you know, there are things that I don't feel especially comfortable with. I'm, I'm not a big, a big toucher, especially with people that are, are not, I mean, I, I'm not going to pat someone on the shoulder or, you know, grab someone's arm necessarily. That's kind of not, not how, how I engage with, with <laughs> folks. Um, I certainly had weird things with, with clients and different people that people I don't know who uh, are happy to get in my, get in my space. Like, that's so weird to me that hey, wait, wait, don't touch me. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> but um, you know, so some of that, you know, if you're a man, especially don't touch people without, <laughs> without knowing what you're doing. Uh, and don't, bunch... don't, don't sniff their hair. No, don't, don't, yeah, no, hair. don't. Right. Yeah. You know, don't ask them, you know, what the color of their underwear. No to that. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things tied to body language that sort of conveys stress. Cause you, you know, you're carrying stress in your shoulders, in your upper body. Um, if someone's, you know, has their ankles crossed, have their other legs crossed, uh, if they have their legs, you know, crossed like in and around the leg of a chair or the leg of a table that they're in front of, that means that they are, you know, carrying stress and this is, you know, they may be uncomfortable and, you know, kind of closed off to what's going on. 
if you have um if your hands are clasped you know so, someone speaking and they're in you know someone someone is holding their own hand uh again that person may be experiencing some sort of stress so that's sort of like a weird self-hug it's a, it's a soothing um ner- you know, almost a nervous nervous tick kind of thing where you're rubbing your hands or holding your hands together there are tons more of these um i realized uh years ago years ago when i would be fidgety or, or nervous especially in public I would um, bury my hands in my pockets or cross my arms. Crossing your arms apparently is is a big one. Trump does it like crazy, where you know, where he's sitting in court or sitting sitting somewhere. I think during at least one of the debates uh, years ago, you know, he's being asked a question and he's standing there with his arms crossed. That just conveys a complete sort of fuck you. Uh, it's defensive. It's, it's defensive. Defensive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Defensive disinterest. Um, Putting your hands all the way in your pocket, you know, all four fingers in your in your pockets is kind of the same thing. Defensive, but but maybe fearful, um, especially if, if the the whole James Dean with, with with the thumbs with the thumbs hidden, but the the fingers out is not good. But but if you, if you do it with fingers in and your thumbs out, uh, because your thumbs are more somehow more dominant, thumbs out is somehow perceived as being more is being confident and and is sort of deemed to be acceptable and more open. But uh, if, th- if, you, if your thumb is hidden, it's defensiveness or unease. I'm cool. You know why? Because I got these. I got <laughs> right. thumbs. Right. Uh, neck rubbing is a is a big one. You know, you start talking to someone and they're sort of you know, scratching their hand around uh, their sort of their collarbone. Again, a nervous nervous twitch. They're looking for positive sort of touch reinforcement. You know, if only from themselves. Uh, because they are uncomfortable, uneasy for you know for some reason. Uh, a big one is, uh, and I, I do this sometimes when I, I I meet a lot of strangers, and if I don't like someone, I'm aware of the fact that I will physically back up. You know, if you, if you start talking, <laughs> if, you, if someone walks up to you, uh, and your immediate reaction is to want to take a step back, uh, that's a that's a telltale sign. I mean, what is my body telling me? Oh yeah, I don't like you for some reason. So either you're a threat, or you know, there's something about your vibe that I don't like. So if, if your instinct is to retreat, then that's uh that's not a good sign. Uh, and one that's even bigger these days, uh, I'm not sure this, how this directly correlates. Uh, but with, you know, so many folks spending so much time on computers and especially on phones, uh, you know, shoulders back, head up. I just, you know, so if you're, if your posture is so terrible because you spend so much time looking down at your damn phone, you have to do something about that. You have to be willing to, uh, especially adults, put your damn phone down, uh, and, um, you know, lean back and raise your head up. I just, uh, I was in a, in a Starbucks recently standing in line waiting to order. I'd left my phone in my car. I looked around and every single customer in the Starbucks, like 30 people were all on their phone simultaneously, including everyone in line. And they're all looking down like, what? okay, whatever guys, you know, there's nothing on your phone that, that could, could possibly be that interesting while you wait for your fucking latte. So put the phone down. It is weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it drives me insane. I mean, I I do it. I you know, I do a lot for work. I read a bunch of stuff on, on my phone, but it's uh, I don't know. It's just I I find it um, aggravating that I have to that we all have to compete with everyone's inclination to want to look at whatever you know whatever it is. Well, there are times when I expect them all to look up simultaneously and just start chanting <laughs> "One of us, one of us, one of." 
<laughs> or talk to me talk to talk hello talk, talk to me <laughs> uh touching ears is, is another one that's sort of a you know sign of um unease and then um fidgeting with objects i mean uh, 10 years ago someone someone came up with those damn fidget spinners mm-hmm. uh, and i'm a little bit sympathetic to that especially with kids as a child i was a crazy ass introvert and um was very nervous didn't like doing you know you know my biggest nightmare ever was you know whatever fourth grade fifth grade being told i had to present something to the class would create a you know it was just a nervous breakdown and for a million years i tore the hell out of my fingernails um and so i get the inclination to want to you know play with a quarter a fidget spinner you know whatever the hell it is toy you know toy your hair uh i understand that but i don't necessarily i don't know whether i think it's okay to encourage that or not uh handing handing toys to children to make them fidget more like i don't i'm not sure why i think that's the best idea well that's the catharsis versus uh i get well what am i trying to say here it's the whole idea of, of are you getting the emotions out or are you stimulating them? It's catharsis versus stimulation. Right, right, right. Right, right. Yeah. right. Yeah. So anyway, that's it. I mean, there's a, there's a whole bunch of other, other things that have to do with, you know, presentation in terms of um, clothing and jewelry and makeup and, you know, all those types of things. And there's a whole, also a whole bunch of things that are, that are not words that are, um, you know, nonverbal things that are that are done as well that are that are very common uh, across uh, most humans that are also interesting. They just the, I, I got interested in this and and decided to to dive into it as a topic. So that's all. No, that's very cool, and it, it so much of it goes unsaid and and un um unexamined, I guess, because it's stuff that we just take for granted and we don't think about, and it's complicated by the use of social media at this point. You know, right. like you said, um, there's an extra layer of difficulty that we just don't um, we don't think about. And the one I really find fascinating is the echolalia and echopraxia when you when you mirror back to someone, mm-hmm. how un or subconscious that is. And my mother used to tell me that I did that all the time, like when you would travel somewhere. <laughs> that right. within like within two days i would have an accent wherever we went oh really and yeah yeah, yeah. and and uh you know I, I it's not something that i would consciously try to do it was it would just come out that way just bubbles up right yeah as as an effort <laughs> uh, you know you're trying to fit in there's some tribalism involved i mean i think there's some some reflexive things going on there that just you can't you can't escape. And I think when you're younger, it's probably easier to do. Right. Cause you're less hardwired at that point. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if that's linguistically true or, at least. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm cognizant of the fact that I, uh, I'm told all the time that I speak too quickly. And so sometimes in this podcast, I realize I have to force myself to slow down uh, because I, you know, I have a paragraph I'm ready to say, and it all comes out. But what I realize in dealing with, you know with you know whatever anyone um you know, go to the grocery store that my particular delivery comes off as overstimulation is too much all at once and then people are like oh crap what uh and so 
Yeah, I try to do. I mean, I on, on, on more of a conscious level realize, oh, I'm speaking too quickly. So, uh, and uh, especially in Texas, where we have some some folks that are kind of have that drawl, and so uh, I'm I I have to force myself now and again to come in and say, hey, how are y'all? Uh, you know, just kind of yeah. slow the pace down, and just in order to not overwhelm someone, and you know, foster that connection, and you know, make them feel make people feel comfortable. Well, when I lived in New York, yeah, I lived there for three years. So when I came back to Texas, it was like, come on, get to the verb. Let's go. <laughs> right, um, right, right. Spit it out. Spit it out. Spit it out. And when I first moved to New York, it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Basta, basta. Let's uh, come on. Pump the brakes a little bit there, fella. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and then the uh, the echo, the echo proxy of the taking on the physical. Um, yeah, that's interesting that you talk about that, about how. You know, there are times when I've seen like, um, like when I was, when I had my first job waiting tables, I was watching someone wait tables and I thought this guy had a remarkable, this one waiter, like if there was someone who was differently abled, like this one customer came in regularly, was in a wheelchair, he would bend down reflexively to take her order. Mm. He wouldn't tower above her. He would like get to her level and he would do the same thing with kids, you know, like immediately move to that. Right. And he said at first he had to think about it, but then after a while it became like second nature to uh to shift his perspective to move right. in mm -hmm. to shift shift the way he was thinking about, you know, how do I see the world versus how how someone else sees the world. That's pretty remarkable because I mean you know, the fact that we're able to do that and I guess for some people it's just an unconscious thing. They just start doing it. I mean, that's yeah, it's I mean, amazing. And, and on some levels, I, I think that's a sign of whether whether you're a good, decent and uh, a person capable of empathy. I, I mean, I, I suspect that it's a benchmark of, you know, sociopaths that they're really, really bad at stuff like that, that they they you know don't recognize cues. They don't recognize when someone's, uh, you know, uncomfortable um, and they still, you know, they will they will repeatedly engage in behavior that is. That is very clearly to you and me, whatever negative or threatening or whatever it is. But they don't, re they, but they don't recognize that that's how it's being taken. So, I don't know. Cool stuff. Very cool. All right. Well, let's keep uh, let's keep on being nice to each other and and not being sociopaths <laughs> if we can. That's that's a good Halloween uh, message. Almost Halloween message. <laughs> Almost Halloween message. Um, well, as always, everybody, thanks for listening. And we will catch you next week. On yes, indeed. The spookiest day of the year. <laughs> eat some, eat some blueberry with <laughs> Kenneth Cheeseboro. <laughs> All right, thanks, and, folks. Yes, and be good to each other. Bye. Bye. This is a Rough Tiger production. Bong bong, mm -hmm. Brian. Bong bong. Bong bong. Bong bong. Good. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.